this is John Fenimore's Souvenir Programme. Hello. Um, excuse me, sorry, I've never actually put a bet on before. Uh, could you just... Yeah, not to worry. Uh, what are you betting on? Horses, is it? Dogs? Football? No, no, I would like to bet that Barcelona is the capital of Spain. <laughs> right, no, we, we can't really do that. We do sporting events, really. Well, but you take bets on non-sporting things too, don't you? I mean, elections and Oscars? Yeah, but not geography. <laughs> so why not? Why can't I bet on the capital of Spain? OK, because those other things, elections and that, they're still about things that haven't happened yet, yeah? So it's got to be something in the future. OK, um, all right, fine. I bet that when I look up what the capital of Spain is, <laughs> it turns out to be Barcelona. <laughs> no, but I... Well, why not? That's in the future. Yeah, but, OK, the problem is, how do we know you haven't looked it up already? How do you know? <laughs> how do you know I haven't looked it up already? Well, for one thing, because the capital of Spain is Madrid. <laughs> right, yeah, I thought it was. Yeah. Well, it is. I mean, I'm almost certain. So if I'd looked it up, I'd know not to put the bet on. OK, but hang on. If you know Barcelona... <laughs> right, OK, hang on. If, if you know Barcelona's not the capital of Spain, why do you want to bet that it is? Well, I don't know it's not. I'm not 100%. I'm just pretty certain it's not. So, when this bloke in the pub next door just said he'd bet anything in the world that it was, I bet him £50,000. Oh. Yeah, but the problem is I don't have £50,000. And what if it's one of those trick questions and actually Barcelona is the capital of Spain? So what I thought was, before I check, I'll put on a small bet, at presumably very long odds with you guys, just in case, and then I'm covered. <laughs> Why don't you just look it up now and see if you need to? Excuse me, I'm not a cheat. <laughs> well, OK, but still, you know, we really can only take bets on stuff that's not happened yet. And whichever of Madrid or Barcelona is capital, and it's definitely Madrid, by the way, I've been there, <laughs> it's already it. OK, how about this, then? Can I bet that Barcelona will be the capital of Spain tomorrow? <laughs> well, I don't know. If... It's definitely in the future. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. OK, hang on, I'll, I'll ring HQ and check. OK. Well, I expect that'll take you, what, 10 or 15 minutes? And now that 10 or 15 minutes have gone by... <laughs> what did they say? Good news! They say yes, and we can offer you answer 10 million to one. Oh, great. Well, here's a fiver on it. See you tomorrow. Or not. Yeah, or probably not. <laughs> have you? It is done. The financing is in place. Begin the coup. <laughs> So the thing is, the school needs a slogan. A slogan? Why? I don't know. It's just a thing schools have now. It's to go on the sign outside, you know, the sort of thing. Springborn School, a tradition of excellence. Uh, or uh, where learning is an adventure. Or committed to excellence in education. Where? Nice. Any of those sounds fine? No, they've all been used. We need our own. OK, uh, a school of excellence. Excellence for everyone. Where excellent excellence comes to excel. OK, it doesn't have to be about excellence. Well, it might as well be, though. Springborn, where the students are all equally excellent, ironically making them all look normal. <laughs> but only compared to each other, compared to students from other schools, they're like gods! Mm, I admire everyone's enthusiasm, but, of course, the problem is we're sort of pretty much at the bottom of the league uh -huh. table. Yeah, OK, yeah. Um, OK, Springborn School, where excellence remains an aspiration. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, 
Well, look, there is one positive thing about our stats. The students we get perform much worse than the local average when they get here, but only slightly worse than average by the time they leave, so we actually improve them a lot. Right, so if the slogan could somehow express that... Springbourne School, yeah, we know, but you should have seen them when they got here. <laughs> Springbourne, making the best silk purses we can. Mm. <laughs> Springbourne, to be honest, it's the kids' fault. <laughs> All right, how about just one that doesn't make any claims, like Springborn, a great place to learn? Yeah, but again, I've that word great. Mm. Springborn, because they have to go somewhere. <laughs> Springborn, we'll keep them here all day. <laughs> Springborn, like prison for kids. All right. <laughs> how about we just leave the great out? Springborn, a place to learn. Oh, even that. I mean, obviously, ideally, they'd learn. <laughs> well, that might do. Springborn. Ideally, they'd learn. <laughs> oh, you could turn it round. Springborn, a place to teach. Well, yeah, obviously it's a place to teach. That's just the definition of school. You might just as well say, Springborn School, a school. Oh. Oh. Cracked it. <laughs> Once upon a time, there lived a wicked queen who owned a magic mirror. And every morning she would stand before the mirror and ask it who was the fairest in the land. And it would tell her that she herself was. Until one morning... Vizier! Vizier, send for my grand vizier instantly! Your Majesty, what is the matter? My magic mirror! That is the matter! Your mirror? Yes, my magic mirror! Oh, yes. Is it broken? No, this is a royal secret, Grand Vizier, but know now that every morning I stand before my magic mirror and I ask it, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? Yes, I had heard. <laughs> and then it shows me myself. Astonishing. <laughs> because, you see, I am the fairest of them all. Yes, Your Majesty, yes. That's why the mirror shows you yourself. <laughs> This morning, it showed me someone else. I'm sorry, I did what? Some slip of a girl named Snow White. It showed you her? Yes, because it's a magic mirror. Oh, yeah, sure, but... Watch! Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? Well, you're the fairest near at hand. Snow White's the fairest in the land. Oh, my God! I know! Send! Send to the Royal Huntsman! We must find... This Snow White. What? No, sod Snow White. We've got a magic mirror. <laughs> um, well, we knew that. No, no, with respect, Your Majesty, we did not know that. We assumed, not I think unreasonably, that what we had was a mirror. <laughs> you know, because you're a wicked queen and you asked the village wise woman for something to tell you who was the hottest. Fairest. Sorry, fairest in the land, and the village wise woman is not an idiot. <laughs> As her name suggests, but if this is an actual magic mirror, I mean, the potential is enormous. What potential? Well, just off the top of my head. Mirror, mirror on the wall, show me the King of Frubia. It, it doesn't work like that. You have to ask its opinion. Really? Why? I don't know. You just do. Fine. Um, mirror, mirror on the wall in the neighbouring land of Frubia, who is the most royal? Of them all. Of, of them all. <laughs> To him all Frubians are loyal. The king of Frubria is most royal. Oh, my God! Live undetectable surveillance of anyone we want. <laughs> but 
What about Snow White? Seriously, Your Highness, forget Snow White. You are about to be so insanely rich and powerful that no one is going to care whether you're the fittest, fairest, fairest or not. <laughs> which, of course, you are. Thank you. Uh, oh, oh, I've got one. Um, mirror, mirror on the wall, which horse is fastest of them all? With flashing hooves and flowing mane, this wild horse that hath no name. Yeah, all right, smart ass, you know what I meant. <laughs> mirror, mirror on the wall, which is the fastest horse entered for the 240 at Haydock Park? <laughs> of them all. Bachelor boy, 15 to 1. <laughs> oh, oh, you're not doing rhymes anymore? No. Or magical tinkling? No. Suits me. Mirror, mirror on the wall. But this isn't really what I'm for, you know. Yeah, never mind that. You work for me now. <laughs> mirror, mirror on the wall. Which is the most underrated stock in the FTSE 100? <laughs> of them all. And so they all lived happily ever after. As long as by they you mean the leaders of the Wicked Queen's Kingdom, which quickly became the world's dominant superpower. Indeed, even the Wicked Queen herself was happy because, as a little thank you for the mirror, the Grand Vizier took a contract out on Snow White with a professional assassin who was a lot better at his job than the Royal Huntsman would have been. <laughs> Good night, children. <laughs> Hello, sir. Can I talk to you very quickly about what we do? Oh, I'm a bit busy. I don't know if you've known anyone who's been affected by cancer. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, then, you'll appreciate why our organisation is working so hard to try to ban cancer. <laughs> to, to cure it? No, no. We, we don't just want to cure it. We completely disagree with it. We think it should be banned. <laughs> I don't think that's very practical. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realise. Are you a cancer supporter? <laughs> no, no. It's all right, sir. You're entitled to your opinion. Now, personally, I'm against cancer and I think it should be banned. But if you're a fan of cancer, that's up to you. Well, of course I'm not a fan. I just don't see how you can ban it. Oh, right, because of the free speech implications. <laughs> no, no, because it's not possible. The best we can do is try to cure it. Mm, oh, I'm sorry, but I think that's pandering to cancer. <laughs> I mean, I get what you're saying, but I'm sorry. I'm afraid I think cancer's had too many chances and it's time to get tough. And that means banning it. But who's going to ban it? Well, we're putting together a petition, which we'd like you to sign, calling on the government to ban it. But the government can't ban it. Mm, can't or won't. <laughs> can't. Or won't. Can't. It's a disease. You can't ban a disease. We ban smallpox. No, no, we cured smallpox. Well, now we're just arguing about terminology. No, we're not. <laughs> we're not. You have to cure diseases. Because I'm sorry, there are some things in the world you can't just decide you don't like and cry out for someone else to take them away. You have to, you have to face up to them. And then you have to spend time and money and effort in actually tackling them. I see. Well, uh, in that case, will you donate some money to help us cure cancer? Yeah, yes, gladly. Where's your form? And that recording, ladies and gentlemen, completes my presentation demonstrating how a simple change in approach has led to a five-fold increase in donations from grumpy middle-aged men eager to prove a point. <laughs> She's given up her old hijinks 
She said I was her good old boy And my old heart swole up with joy Sometimes even bluesmen get the pinks On Wednesday my old hunting dog had puppies We kept one and we called her Lil' Mings She sleeps curled up in my old boot And in there she looks so gold on cute She's sure not helping shift those pesky pigs I've got those pigs, damn pigs I've got those pigs, so bad I mean so good, so good The best I've ever had but I gotta sing the blues Cause my baby needs new shoes I guess that I got those I ain't got the blues now pain. I used to be on every list of blues men They love those songs about how my life stinks but these days I get missed right out Because I'm always blissed right out Sometimes even blues men get the pins I've got those pins, damn pins I've got those pins so bad I mean so good So good The best I've ever had I That I got those, I ain't got the blues now. Pinks. So, Mr. Linklater, we're very interested in your PhD application. We just thought we'd invite you in to talk us through it in person. As I understand it, it is at heart a comparative analysis of the works of the Bronte sisters. That's right, yes. Um, my aim is to provide a concordance to their entire collective canon. I wish to produce a volume in which one could look up any word used in the works of any of the Brontes and be directed to a cluster of similar words used by her or her sisters in analogous contexts, you see? And in this way, I hope to give critics and students a new insight into their stylistic similarities and differences. Hmm, well, it uh, does sound very worthwhile. My only concern is this. Did you come up with this entire proposal just so you could call the book a bronte source? <laughs> yes, yes, I did. Fair enough, application approved. Right. This is Sarah. Sarah is one of life's unsung heroes. Whether it's running up a robot costume in next to no time or being there with the tissues when the boy band spits up, Sarah is the kind of everyday hero we think deserves a helping hand. And so we at Mulligan's Bank have decided to offer Sarah the interest rate that we do. <laughs> It's an all right one. 
If you go to a price comparison website, you'll find it somewhere in the middle. <laughs> now, obviously, we hope you don't bother. But that's the one we'll offer Sarah, the hero, who kisses better all those scraped knees and cooks the best spag ball in the business. And it's also the one we'll offer you. You might not be an unsung hero, of course. You might be an unsung villain. <laughs> For all we know, you might be Sarah's arch enemy. The one who scraped those knees and broke up that boy band. <laughs> or, of course, probably you're just normal. It doesn't matter. We don't care. We'll still offer you the interest rate we do because it's the one we do. It's the one our analysts have decided best fits between what's profitable and what's saleable. And we'll offer it to anyone. You, Sarah, the Spagball hero, or Robert Mugabe. <laughs> it's a product and you can buy it. Mulligan's Bank. Always there. For anyone. Halt! Who goes there? A true son of yours. Thomas is too. The same. You come from the battle. Aye, directly. With what news? Gird yourself, cousin. Terrible, terrible news. Almost all really bad. Almost all? The forces met at Wakefield. Those devils of Lancaster were too much for us. Our army was all but destroyed. It's blood! And worst, our noble leader. Scion of a great house, Richard, Duke of York, is slain. No! Aye, he died a man's death in the teeth of battle, but he did die. Woe is us! Truly. But you said, not all bad news. Oh, no. Well, there is one good thing. Aye? Some of the lads were working it out on the way back. We think this is going to make it much easier to remember the colours of the rainbow. <laughs> the colours of the rainbow? Aye. You see, Richard of York gave battle in vain. Aye, and it makes my heart sick to hear of it. Oh, I mind too, but listen, though. Richard of York gave battle in vain. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that, that sounds very neat. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? It's really memorable. Yeah, it's very good, like uh, even the off-words. Ah, yeah. I know, I know. And I'm not saying it isn't a crushing disaster for us and our cause, but at least the rainbow thing is some... Um... Well, it's a silver lining, isn't it's it? It's a silver lining. <laughs> Hey, it's a good job he went from Leeds, isn't it? Aye. Well, today would have been a complete washout. <laughs> well, since one of you asks me for a tale of adventure on the high seas, and the other of you asks me for a tale about horses and their nice manes, <laughs> I believe I have a story that will satisfy you both. Professors. <laughs> it took place when I was a young man and restless to make my mark upon the world. Lindbergh had just become the first man to cross the Atlantic by air, and this inspired me. Perhaps I could yet be the first to cross it by sea. <laughs> Eventually, a little research convinced me that that ship had quite literally sailed. <laughs> What, then, could I be the first across the Atlantic by? Hot air balloon? Huh, too easy. Train? Too difficult. <laughs> then what about by horseback? <laughs> At first, the idea seemed like madness, but was it? Yes. <laughs> but was it? After all, horses can swim, can they not? 
And the Atlantic is made of water, is it not? <laughs> Therefore, why should not a horse swim the Atlantic with me on its back, carrying me to New York and the history books? <laughs> and, as luck would have it, I still owned my own childhood horse, Mr Floofy Whiskers. <laughs> This curious name, I should explain, came about because what I really wanted when I was a boy was a kitten, but my parents gently explained to me that we couldn't have a cat because we had too much space. <laughs> and I would have to have a horse instead. A disappointment then, but a blessing now. Come, Mr. Floofy Whiskers, I cried. If we are to cross the Atlantic, we must get in training. Meow! <laughs> Oh, yes, I, I also raised him to think he was a cat. <laughs> Training was an arduous affair. For a start, the staff of Camden Public Swimming Baths would keep on insisting <laughs> that they had a no-horse policy. In vain did I try to explain that this was in aid of a landmark maritime expedition, and in vain did Mr Floofy Whiskers try to explain that he was, in fact, a cat. Yo! <laughs> And then, as if this wasn't enough, we were interrupted mid-training swim by a woman from the RSPCA. Excuse me, I'm a woman from the RSPCA. She said, which is how I knew. <laughs> how can I help you, said I? Uh, we have received reports that you are planning to make a horse swim to America. That's right, yes. Can we get you anything? No! The point is, you can't do that. It's cruel. Cruel? Why are the... Oh, no, I see. No, you misunderstand, madam. He won't be alone. I'll be riding on his back the whole way. <laughs> that makes it worse. I don't see why. You do realise horses can swim. Yes, but only about 100 yards. Ah, but that's where the training comes in. Mr Floofy Whiskers here can already do 110 yards. And that's just from me putting some tuna-flavoured sugar lumps at the end of the pool. <laughs> He'll be up to 3,412 miles in no time at all. No, no. This is cruel and barbaric aquatic horsemanship, and we cannot allow it. Oh, very well, then. How about if I take a whole team of horses, and then after I've done 100 yards on each one, just change onto the next? Yes, that sounds fine. <laughs> so that's what we did. A fortnight later, I set out from Southampton Docks, mounted on Mr Floofy Whiskers and accompanied by my support vessel, HMS Impermeable. <laughs> Carrying my food, water, compass and 1,056 backup horses. <laughs> After 100 yards, we all stopped and I dismounted and swam round in circles whilst Mr Floofy Whiskers was winched aboard and a fresh horse was lowered into the ocean for me to mount. This process was repeated every hundred yards, and in this manner, we crossed the Atlantic. <laughs> For a full account of our crossing and our encounters with icebergs, pirates, colossal squid, and seahorses, <laughs> which of course had never seen a real horse before, and so were understandably freaked out, <laughs> you will have to read my memoir on the subject. Changing horses in midstream, I see now why they say not to do it. <laughs> anyway, for now, suffice it to say that nine years later, we had almost reached New York. <laughs> in fact, we were exactly one mile out from the edge of the docks when a dinghy appeared before us and a customs officer hailed us through a megaphone. What is the purpose of your visit to the United States? No reason, really. I hailed back. 
not needing a megaphone, because I am English and can project. No reason. No, didn't particularly want to come, actually. Ghastly place, from what I've heard. Uh, I just wanted to cross the Atlantic, though, you see, and you happen to be on the other side of it. Okay, do you have anything to declare? No, no, nothing at all. It's just me, a battleship, and 1,057 horses. Sir, you can't bring livestock into the United States. I'm going to have to ask you to turn around and go back the way you came. I'd really, really rather not do that. Sorry, sir, you do not have permission to come any closer. I'm afraid at this point I lost my temper. Is that so? I roared. Well, sir, a fig for your permission. This is His Majesty's battleship HMS Impermeable, and we are entering your harbour. Permission or no? At this point, the captain of the Impermeable spoke up. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm afraid I'm not sure I have the authority to do that. Authority? Cried I, good lord, man. Do we no longer encourage you to act on your initiative in the Royal Navy? They do, sir, yes, up to a point. But they don't really encourage us to launch a unilateral invasion of the United States. <laughs> Very well, said I. You and your ship may stay here, if you please. Who needs you? I have enough horses here for an entire cavalry regiment. Saddle them all up. I shall ride them to New York. What? What, all of them? Yes, all of them. What, withways? No, obviously not withways. Don't be absurd, man. <laughs> have them stacked. <laughs> well, my orders were obeyed. <laughs> and I began to mount. In some ways, clambering up the side of the teetering stack of over a thousand horses was the hardest part of the adventure. When I finally reached the summit of the horse stack, lower-level clouds wisping around my head, I was pleased to discover that Mr. Floofy Whiskers was the uppermost horse. I tried not to think too much about the bottommost horse. I patted him and fed him some pilchard flavoured hay. <laughs> well, here goes then, old lad, I said to him. New York or bust. Now then, giddy up. This, I concede, was a tactical error. <laughs> I'll say one thing for sitting on top of a stack of 1,057 horses as they topple towards the Atlantic Ocean. It takes longer than you'd think. <laughs> I occupied the time doing some mental arithmetic. <laughs> Suppose the average height of the horses was five feet, then 157 horses made the stack 5,285 feet tall, or one mile and five feet. And suppose that the stack was falling forward with total rigidity, and that I had been precisely accurate when I had estimated we were one mile away from the edge of the docks. Well, if all of these calculations were correct, and really, how could they not be? <laughs> it seemed to me that while 1,056 of my horses were about to land harmlessly in the water, Mr. Floofy Whiskers and myself were about to smash into the New York dock front. It was a nasty moment. But then again, I reflected, as the ground whistled up to meet me. If there is one thing to be said for a horse that thinks it's a cat... <laughs> they always land on their hooves. <laughs> Good night! <laughs> John Finnamore's souvenir programme was written and performed by John Finnamore with Michael Caborn-Smith, Simon Kane, Laurie Lewin and Carrie Quinlan. Original music was composed by Susanna Pearce and performed by Jason Hazley. The producer was Ed Morrish, and it was a BBC Radio Comedy production. And if you missed John Finnemore's souvenir programme, then you're very sweet. 
We missed you too.